The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. All right, we're starting the week off with something a little wacky, something I wish we weren't actually having to start the week off. The New York Times uh, editorial board has written an article called Ease Up on the Executive Actions, Joe, with the subtitle President Biden is right to not let his agenda be held hostage, but legislating through Congress is a better path. And in this article, the New York Times editorial board says correctly that, quote, a week into his presidency, Mr. Biden has issued a raft of executive orders and other actions. Already he is committed to rejoining the Paris Climate Change Agreement, ended the Muslim travel ban, canceled the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline, rescinded funding for and halted construction on the wall at the southern border, reaffirmed the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program mandated wearing uh, mask wearing on federal grounds, um, moved to end the federal government's reliance on private prisons, reversed the ban on transgender military service and called for agency assessments aimed at advancing racial equity. Just to name a few, the coming days will bring more such action. But this isn't that good, they say. And they're concerned, they say, not just because executive orders don't create law and can be changed by future by future presidents, which is true, but because, quote, um, executive actions are far more ephemeral and easily discarded than legislation, which can set up a whipsaw effect as each president scrambles to undo the work of his predecessor. Just as Mr. Trump said about reversing as many of President Barack Obama's directives as possible. Mr. Biden is now working to reverse many of Mr. Trump's reversals with executive orders. There is always another presidential election just a few years off threatening to upend everything. This is one of the silliest New York Times editorials I've seen. First of all, these executive orders are a good start until permanent legislation can be passed if it can. And the if right now is arguably more important than it's ever been given that there is a Republican Party that doesn't even pretend to care about policy. What what did Marjorie Taylor Greene run on other than just Trumpism and owning the libs? What did Lauren Boebert run on other than Trumpism and owning the libs? This is one of the two year periods during which Democrats have control of the House, Senate and White House, and they may have no choice but to go at everything by themselves. So we'll talk more about that. Secondly, these executive orders are a signal that hopefully Joe Biden is going to do everything he can uh, of the things he promised to do, regardless of whether he has Republican support or not. And remember, he was elected based on the things he promised to do. And number three, this reeks of status quoism from The New York Times. The New York Times editorial board doesn't like that Joe Biden isn't using the powers he has after being elected by voters because it's too much change. What? And fourth, Much of what Joe Biden is doing isn't really a dramatic change anyway, beyond getting us back to the pre Trump situation. So in a way, like I hate to say it, but Joe Biden's executive orders are, in a sense, getting us back to the status quo that was the status quo before Trump. But The New York Times doesn't like it. Now, hopefully there will be some follow up from The New York Times editorial board about how Biden can't get a damn thing done 
with Republican help uh, in the next three months or six months. We'll see because of their incipient obstructionism. I look forward to The New York Times editorial board writing that op ed to provide more context to this. And then just the very last element of hypocrisy here. There is a general hypocrisy about Biden's nascent presidency, which is that simultaneously we are hearing Biden hasn't yet done all the stuff he promised to do. We're 12 days in Biden hasn't yet done it all, but he's also doing too much with too many executive orders. He's creating too many commissions. He's proposing too many things. Come on, guys. And the, uh, the, you know, the, the most important signal sent by Biden's administration so far based on his actions is that he's determined to set the agenda, not Mitch McConnell. And I love that. I will and do agree. Uh, uh, I will. I, I will agree and disagree, better said, with things that Joe Biden will do. But the fact that Joe Biden is sending a signal that it will be his agenda and not Mitch McConnell's is something I am very much behind. And, you know, there are people who are saying, well, Joe Biden should have worked more with Republicans on some of the things in those early executive orders. Right. Give me the list of the Republicans that are eager to reverse the trans military ban. Who were the Republicans Biden could have worked on with that? Would he have had great bipartisan support rather than doing that by, by executive order uh, instead working with Republicans? Give me a break. What Republicans were going to get in line for that? The idea of lecturing Biden on using executive orders after what the country endured for the last four years would be hilarious if it weren't sad. And one really final important element here. The stuff Joe Biden is doing via executive order is really popular with the people. We actually have a list. And when you look at this, you see that uh, banning workplace discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. There's 83 percent support for that. OK, uh, when you look at committing to a government wide focus on racial equity, 77 percent support requiring masks on federal property, 75 percent support. Uh, continuing suspension of federal student loan repayments, which he did via EO, 68 percent support and on and on and on. These are popular things. Were Joe Biden pushing through via executive order things that had 10 percent support or 15 percent support in this country? Legally, you wouldn't have any different argument, but you would have a stronger argument that Biden is not ruling by the will of the people. He ran on doing this stuff. This stuff is popular. There's no indication Republicans have any interest in helping Joe Biden do this stuff. So he's doing popular things he ran on via executive order. Give me a break. I hope we'll see a follow up uh, uh, op ed from The New York Times editorial board providing the context that it was either do it this way or don't do it at all. And that these things are popular with Americans without that. I don't really even understand the point of this editorial board piece unless it's simply just to point to stuff and say we don't like it. Hey, this is super interesting. Last week we did a piece about the $15 minimum wage, which uh, which I support. You know, I've pointed out there are parts of the country where 15 is uh, almost or even more than a doubling of the current minimum wage. And it may not be the cost of living adjusted wage, but big picture, I support a $15 minimum wage. And we talked about how this new radical, wacky Republican congresswoman, uh, Lauren Boebert, tweeted about the minimum wage, something really dumb. She tweeted, quote, I got my start working at McDonald's. That job doesn't exist if the minimum wage is raised to fifteen dollars per hour. 
small business would be crushed by this arbitrary mandate and big business would simply automate away jobs. Not everything that sounds good is actually good in practice. And what is fascinating is that now it just so happens that the company she mentioned, McDonald's, has put out a statement about this. McDonald's CEO Chris Kamzinski did a fourth quarter earnings call with investors um, on Thursday after we had covered this story. And he said the company is doing just fine in states that have increased minimum wages beyond the federal minimum wage. And we are basically going to be fine. We will do just fine even if minimum wages continue increasing in a variety of different states. Now, uh, Kempsinski wasn't, this was a call with investors. The point here is to reassure investors. It's not that Kempsinski wants higher minimum wages, it's not that McDonald's is now on for the fight for 15 or this is merely a CEO talking to investors and saying, listen, 29 states already have higher wages than the federal minimum. And we're doing just fine. And uh, this is what a four year analysis by a team of economists found for McDonald's that in applicable markets where wages have gone up. And as I talked to you about before, D.C. is already 15 bucks an hour. McDonald's is doing fine. California's 13 to 14 an hour. McDonald's is doing fine in California. Uh, Washington state is I believe it's 1369. McDonald's is doing fine in Washington state and on and on and on. He was just reassuring investors of what we already know. And um, it is true. It is true that when the minimum wage goes up, the cost of products go up. But this is the this is such a key finding. The study found that when uh, the, the minimum wage goes up 10 percent, the cost of a, of a Big Mac goes up one point four percent. Why would it be that if you have a bigger increase to the wage, the cost of the food only goes up a tiny bit? It's because just as I said last week, labor is only a fraction of the total cost. You've got rent for these really expensive uh, locations that uh, McDonald's often uh, operate out of. You have the cost of all of the capital. You have the cost of the food itself. You have insurance. You have all these different things. And yes, you have labor. And what we uh, again learn is that labor is only one input and you can do wage increases that are meaningful to the employees and they have only a minor impact on the cost of a big of a Big Mac. Now, clueless people like Lauren Boebert have been able to scam their way into positions of legislative power by attaching themselves to really bad ideas not based in science. Like if the minimum wage goes from eight to ten, then that's twenty five percent. That means the food will all cost twenty five percent more and suddenly tons of people can't afford the food. That's not the reality. The reality is that meaningful minimum wage increases will have a tiny effect on the food, which, yes, the, the food will be a tiny bit more expensive, but way more employees now have money with which they can go to other local businesses and buy things. That's called demand side stimulus. So uh, it nothing of, of what I'm telling you today is new. We did this analysis last week, but hearing it straight from the horse's mouth, the McDonald's CEO saying we've done the analysis. We have 29 states where minimum wages have gone up. It's fine. It's fine. And it leads to this tiny, tiny increase to the cost of a Big Mac. Now, I know that there will be the thousand dollar an hour trolls, as I call them. But but David, 
if fifteen dollars is better than eight, why not pay everybody a hundred dollars an hour? If more money is good, pay everybody a thousand dollars an hour. Well, no, a thousand dollars an hour is not a cost of living equilibrium minimum wage. A thousand dollars an hour is not an industry balanced minimum wage. There is no metric that justifies a thousand dollars an hour for people working at McDonald's. It is not a productivity adjusted wage. It is not an inflation adjusted wage. That would not make any sense. If you made the minimum wage at McDonald's a thousand dollars an hour, uh, you would have doctors in many cases saying I'm better off working at McDonald's. No, nobody's saying that we're talking about 15 some uh, more expensive places in the country would justify, you know, 18, 21 in New York City, whatever. Nobody's talking about a thousand. That's called reductio ad absurdum. Uh, it's a slippery slope. It's a red herring. It's a lot of different things. So um, again, a lot of what I'm saying here, we said last week, but now even the McDonald's CEO, re when the CEO reassures investors, we're doing fine with higher minimum wages you know that they're doing fine with higher minimum wages. So we'll keep talking about this. And this is part of a bigger focus that I think it's important to have on workplace issues, democratization of the workplace, gig economy stuff. I read some interesting articles over the weekend um, about different issues facing gig economy workers and how uh, tech companies that uh, are, uh, are, are sort of uh, exhibiting predatory behavior or taking advantage of them. We're going to keep talking about this. But as a baseline, we have to first build kind of the base of the pyramid. A lot of the stuff being said by the right about the minimum wage is merely disinformation, not supported by left wing or even many right wing economists. And we'll have more about it. Send me your thoughts. Uh, I'm on Twitter at D Pacman. We will take a quick break and be back after this. It's February. It's incredibly February and uh, much to discuss today. The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com. One of our sponsors today is Magic Spoon. The reason I'm such a fan of Magic Spoon is they allow me to enjoy the delicious breakfast cereals I loved as a kid without all the sugar and without the unhealthy ingredients, because Magic Spoon makes breakfast cereal that you really can't tell apart from those tasty sugary cereals that we all know. But each serving of Magic Spoon has no sugar three net carbs and 11 grams of protein. So it's perfect for someone on a low carb keto diet. Just anybody trying to eat healthier and cut back on the sugar. You can choose from cocoa, frosted, fruity, cinnamon, blueberry or peanut butter. They all taste amazing. And Magic Spoon now lets you create your own customized variety pack with the flavors you choose. They really do stand by their product and will refund 100% of your money if you don't love it. No questions asked. Go to magicspoon.com/pacman to build your own custom variety box today and be sure to use promo code pacman to get free shipping. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors is Four Sigmatic, the company best known for their delicious mushroom coffee. Four Sigmatic's mushroom coffee is organic, fair trade, single origin Arabica coffee 
with both lion's mane and chaga mushrooms. Chaga mushrooms have actually been shown to have potential in supporting the immune system in peer reviewed studies. I've been drinking four sigmatic coffee a lot lately. It actually doesn't taste anything like mushrooms. It just tastes like any delicious coffee, but it's really easy on my stomach. Doesn't give me any jittery feeling or a midday crash. And they have over 20,000 five star reviews. And best of all, if you don't love it, you'll get 100 percent of your money back because they stand behind their product. You've got nothing to lose by giving it a try. Four Sigmatic is giving my audience up to 40% off and free shipping when you go to foursigmatic.com slash Pacman. That's F O U R S I G M A T I C dot com slash P A K M A N. The link is also in the podcast notes for this episode. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. The David Pakman Show is independent media. We have no money growing on trees. We have no big corporate funders. We're mostly funded by viewers and podcast listeners who like what we do enough uh, to sign up at joinpacman.com. I invite you to do so. We do a daily extra bonus show just for our paid subscribers, and we do have a great coupon code available if the normal uh, membership rates should strike you as too high. Uh, that's OK. You can use the coupon code better 21 to get a beautiful discount off of the cost of a membership. Uh, one of the things we've been following uh, since the January 6th Trump riots has been the involvement of uh, law enforcement and or military in the riots. And we now are starting to see numbers uh, attached to this that are not particularly reassuring about the US military. Active military personnel and veterans are overrepresented looking at the first 150 arrests and records released about what took place on January 6th. Uh, CNN uh, did an analysis of Pentagon records and court proceedings and found that 14 percent of the first 150 arrests are of current or former members of the U.S. military. That's more than double the proportion of servicemen and women in the population. That's calculated based on Census Bureau and Department of Defense statistics. Uh, back in 2018, there were 1.3 million active duty members of the services and 18 million veterans. Together, that's 5.9 percent of the population. And yet, 14 percent of those arrested are members, uh, current or former, of some branch of the U.S. military. Uh, two of those are Army, two are National Guard. Of the 17, Veterans, six are former army, eight are former Marines, two are former Navy. One was in the Air Force. At least one served in Vietnam. Others tended to be deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq, which makes sense from the standpoint of age. At least one earned a Purple Heart, discharged at a variety of ranks and included officers as well, a captain and a lieutenant colonel. So there's a few different issues here. First of all, just from like a very abstract historical standpoint. If you're at all familiar with Roman history, there's sort of like a classic Roman historical idea of disgruntled soldiers supporting their leader, their emperor for a coup attempt. And so 
I don't know that we need to go the whole uh, sort of sort of poetic uh, route with this or or historical analogies, but they are certainly there and it's not uh, an unprecedented thing. Um, one question I have is this particular study from uh, Pentagon data done by CNN is military current and former. If we were to say military and law enforcement, I wonder where the number goes to from 14 percent. That's that's one question. But this is a well-known sort of historical uh, element that that repeats itself. And to be very clear, this isn't about saying troops are bad uh, as people in principle. There are I mean, listen, you can even say that these are victims, right? If you understand the idea that there is a massive adaptation problem for people post military service. This seems to be more of a vulnerability when we talk to I mean, I'm, I'm not making an analogy here between white supremacists and former members of the military. But what I do think is important to understand is that after traumatic experiences or during them, people become vulnerable to really bad ideas and to be sucked in by cults. Uh, and every former white supremacist we've talked to, uh, every former KKK person we've talked to has told us essentially the same story about they were in a vulnerable place. And just as they fell for the community granted to them by the ideas of white supremacy, because that's what was going on around them, they could have been pulled in by a religion. They could have been pulled in by by almost anything. And we know that there are lots of folks who uh, serve in the military and they have um, a, a difficulty adapting to post military life. And you could fall into any number of different things. So this is not about sim simply saying that the people are bad people necessarily. Uh, but there might be some explanation here as to why the Trumpers thought that if they do the insurrection and they try to steal the election for Trump, that maybe the military would stand down. Is it possible because they themselves as members of the military, current or former, thought that maybe that's something that would happen, that maybe the military would join them in the insurrection. I don't know. Uh, I'm thinking out loud here, but the numbers are are certainly stunning, you know, more than a two X representation relative to the population of current and former military. And um, I don't I mean, you tell me whether this is too cynical. Is it conceivable that they may have been targeted on social media. I mean, we know at this point the degree to which campaigns can be targeted to folks so narrowly on social media. Is it possible? And I'm merely saying it's something to look into that there were uh, campaigns, uh, awareness campaigns about the riotous insurrection uh, planned for January 6th that were targeted to folks who, for example, listed in their likes. U.S. Marines, U.S. Navy, Air Force, or that listed in current or former occupations, military. It certainly can be done as far as the technology is concerned. Uh, so then it just becomes a question as to whether there was the volition and, and the awareness to do it. We don't yet know all the answers, but the early numbers certainly are concerning, if nothing else. You may or may not know that a week from tomorrow, February 9th, is the start of the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump. Remember, impeachment happens in the House. I'm still getting emails from saying, David, Trump hasn't been impeached yet. No, no, no. He's been impeached. He was impeached once and the Senate acquitted him. He's now been impeached a second time by the House. And we don't yet know how the Senate will vote, although we kind of do. The Senate is in all likelihood going to vote to acquit Donald Trump again. That trial starts a week from tomorrow, uh, February 9th. 
and very bad news for Donald Trump, I guess, depending on your perspective. All of Donald Trump's uh, possible lawyers have quit. <laughs> uh, South Carolina lawyer Butch Bowers and four other attorneys who had signed on to represent Donald Trump in the uh, second impeachment trial all abruptly quit over the weekend. This is just days before the trial is going to start. Um, Trump, of course, is going to be on trial for having been impeached for his role in inciting the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Unbelievable that it's already been almost a month since that feels like it was yesterday. And uh, Donald Trump's office announced late last night that two new lawyers are going to be taking over the defense. Um, the uh, reason we are being told that Trump's up until hours ago legal team has quit is that Trump reportedly wanted those lawyers during Trump's defense in the Senate to also make the case that Trump actually won the election. Now, it's really important to understand what this means. One defense of Trump would be Trump didn't incite a riot. He just didn't incite a riot that he had no responsibility whatsoever. When I hear that Trump wants his lawyers to argue that he actually won the election, it occurs to me that Donald Trump wants to do what's called an affirmative defense, meaning he isn't going to deny what he's accused of, but he's going to argue it was justified. So when you're accused of murder, for example, um, one defense would be I didn't do it. I didn't kill anybody. An affirmative defense would be I killed them, but it was self-defense. You're acknowledging that the literal act took place, but you're arguing it's not a uh, it's not it's not legal. You shouldn't be punished for it because it was a justified self-defense action. If you say to me, Trump wants his lawyers to argue he won the election. To me, it's sounding like Trump wants the argument to be made that Trump did incite it, although I'm sure they would use other words. But it was justified because Trump did win and they were trying to get back for Trump what was rightfully his. It seems insane to me to make that argument. And it seems Donald Trump's legal team, what was his legal team up until last night, agrees with that and they are uh, not willing to participate in it. Trump's attorneys initially planned to focus the strategy on uh, whether the impeachment is constitutional, given that Donald Trump is gone and what the definition is of incitement and making the case that Donald Trump didn't really incite anything. And of course, when Donald Trump says claim I won the election, that changes uh, significantly. Donald Trump, according to people close to him, was telling his lawyers Let's litigate the voter fraud allegations. Let's litigate the 2020 race. Let's litigate all the stuff that was litigated for really a period of two months, starting right after the November 2020 election and make it a defense of my actions rather than uh, an argument about constitutionality or, or that that kind of defense. Um, this seems to have been tr extremely triggering to Donald Trump's lawyers. Trump spokesman Jason Miller says that the split was mutual between Trump and the attorneys. I don't believe that for two reasons. Jason Miller lies about everything and Trump doesn't tend to have mutual splits with people. Either they resign or he angrily fires them. And uh, for that reason, it doesn't seem uh, plausible at all. Now, I love I'm, I'm imagining this dream idea that Trump ultimately can't get anybody to, to uh, stay with him through the trial and that he ends up representing himself and it becomes sort of like a cartoonish legal drama. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. But can you imagine if Trump showed up and tried to defend himself? 
uh, represent himself. The reason I don't think it will happen isn't because Trump doesn't think he could do a good job. Trump's exactly the type of narcissist that would think he can do a good job defending himself. I don't think it'll happen because reports are that Trump is very uh, confident that he is not going to be convicted. And he's probably right about that. Um, and thus, he doesn't really think it's worth putting that much effort into this. He's going to just find some lawyers to help him. Uh, he's not conv getting convicted anyway. So why uh, why worry about it too, too much? On the other hand, we know Trump often doesn't pay his lawyers, so it seems he'd be well intentioned or, or, or well situated to hire the best lawyers that he can and then simply stiff them like he's tried to do to most of his lawyers, including reportedly Rudy Giuliani. I don't know the sad truth, the sort of final thought about this. Trump could show up, represent himself, admit guilt repeatedly. The Senate Republican cult still wouldn't convict Donald Trump. That's how horrifying the status quo of Republicans in the Senate now is. So in a sense, Trump can do whatever the hell he wants and he's going to get away with an acquittal. We'll be covering it. Uh, we will also have more uh, coverage about the lead up, including about Donald Trump's lawyers on The David Pakman Show Instagram. Make sure you're following us there at David Pakman Show and follow me on Instagram at David The David Pakman Show at David If you are anything like me, you probably aren't thrilled with the idea of going into a doctor's office right now. And thankfully, there is a practical and affordable way to take control of your health and get personalized care from the comfort of your home. It's a service called Steady MD. They're one of our sponsors. You take a quiz, you get matched with a licensed primary care physician who understands your health needs. You have a one hour video call with your new doctor. You establish a meaningful relationship with them. And after that, your doctor is available to you anytime by text, phone or video chat. This is not a random doctor on call. Each doctor at Steady MD has a limited number of patients, so they actually have time to listen to you. You get the personal attention that you deserve. They can do almost everything an in-person doctor can do, perform medical evaluations, talk to you about health concerns send prescriptions to your home or local pharmacy and anything they can't do online. They'll quickly set you up with an in-person provider to do things like blood tests. As an example, you don't need insurance. It's only ninety nine bucks a month with no other fees or copays. There are so many practical advantages to using steady MD for primary care, and it's also so much more affordable. Go to steadymd.com slash Pacman to take the free quiz and see which doctor is right for you. I took their quiz. They matched me with a doctor who specializes in my particular health needs. The doctor they gave me is a really perfect fit for me. Again, that's steadymd.com slash Pacman. There's no risk, no commitment to get started. That's S T E A D Y M D.com forward slash P A K M A N. If you ever feel like you just don't have enough time to read all the books you want to read, you have to check out one of my favorite apps called Blinkist. Blinkist takes thousands of popular nonfiction books and distills each one down into an ebook or audiobook that you can get through in just 15 minutes, where you're getting all the key takeaways from the book. 
Just imagine how you'll be able to expand your horizons and knowledge by being able to soak up all of the important insights from 10 different books in an afternoon. Obviously, it's perfect for exposing yourself to a new book you otherwise wouldn't have time for, or you can use it to revisit a book you've already read or use it to preview a book before you buy the full version and read it. I recently read a brief history of time, of course, by the great Stephen Hawking. This is a book that I have been aware of for so long and other things got in the way. And it was fantastic to check it out on Blinkist. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library. But you can try it totally free and get 25 percent off a subscription when you go to Blinkist.com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman. Welcome back to the David Pakman show. So unfortunately, you know, I, I didn't realize um, on November you know, 8th that this outrageous uh, slate of radical Republican members of Congress were going to be playing such a damaging role in the national discussion and within the House of Representatives. I certainly knew they were wacky. I certainly knew they were radical. I certainly knew they were ignorant, but I, I didn't expect that they would become this weaponized so quickly. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, radical Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene, we spoke about last week. As a reminder, Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican, uh, is a new a QAnon conspiracy theorist. Um, and uh, she believes that uh, the, the QAnon stuff is worth listening to. She has previously said Muslims don't belong in government and swearing on the Quran is not allowed. She has made claims about 9-11 that are certainly very, very far from what we know to be the facts, which we'll talk about a little bit later. She has talked about the possibility of staged elements of the Parkland, Sandy Hook and Las Vegas shootings and also harassed David Hogg, one of the students who was um, a student at Marjorie Stoneham uh, High School, Stone Stoneman, Stoneham. I always forget Stoneman um, in Parkland, Florida. And she has also uh, previously posted on her Facebook pages that Democratic officials should be executed. Well, there has now been a um, Facebook post from two years ago uncovered whether where Marjorie Taylor Greene appears to be uh, talking about some kind of secret Jewish controlled space laser that may be responsible for wildfires. Uh, let's take a look at it. This is from November of 2018, where Green said, I'm posting this in speculation because there are too many coincidences to ignore and just putting it out there from some research I've done. By the way, what these people define as research is often funny from my curiosity over PG&E stocks, which tanked all week, then rallied Thursday night after California official announced they would not let PG&E fail. I find it very interesting that Roger Kimmel on the board of directors of PG&E is also vice chairman of Rothschild Inc international investment banking firm. Uh oh, I also find it interesting. The long history of financial contributions that PG&E has made to Jerry Brown over the years, millions spent in lobbying. What a coincidence it must be that Governor Brown signed a bill in September of 2018 protecting PG&E and allowing PG&E to pass off as 
most of fire responsibility to its customers in rate hikes and through bonds. It also must be just a coincidence that the fires are burning in the same projected areas that the seventy seven billion dollar high speed rail project is being built is to be built, which also happens to be Governor Brown's pet project. And what are the odds that Feinstein's husband, another another Jewish person, Richard Bloom, another Jewish person, is the contractor on the rail project. Geez, with that much money, we could build three southern border walls. Then oddly, there are all these people who have said they saw what looked like lasers or, or blue be beams of light causing the fires and pictures and videos. I don't know anything about that, but I find it really curious. PG&E's partnership with Solarin on space solar generators starting in 2009. They announced the launch into space in 2018, maybe even put them up before that. Space solar generators collect the sun's energy and beam it back to Earth to a transmitter to convert to electricity. The idea is clean energy to replace coal and oil. If they are beaming the sun's energy back to Earth, I'm sure they wouldn't ever miss a transmitter receiving station, right? I mean, mistakes are never made when anything new is invented. What would that look like anyway? A laser beam or light beam coming down to Earth. Anyway, this goes on and on and on. And of, co of course, the Rothschild family has featured very heavily in anti-Semitic conspiracy theories for a long time. Anti-Semites recently often replace Rothschilds with George Soros. That's a that's a replacement Jewish element to anti-Semitic theories. And of course, Diane Feinstein and her husband, Richard Bloom, it's all very, very Jewish oriented, as you can see. And, um, you, you know, one of the really concerning things is it's not just that they aren't denouncing Marjorie Taylor Greene on the Republican side. They actually seem to be welcoming her and Lauren Boebert and Madison Cawthorn and others. Is this the new Republican Party? Like it's after Trump, but it's not really post Trump. The question was, would the would the, the strong center of the Republican Party become Trumpy or would they say Trump is gone? These people have to go. Will they sim simply welcome anyone that will go along with their tax cuts, no matter how insane? And that includes Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't know the answer. It's still early, but so far there doesn't seem to be any big rush among the Republican establishment to say uh, these people are nuts and they've got to go. Uh, remember that when when they say that oath, all enemies, foreign and domestic, isn't Marjorie Taylor Greene an example of a domestic enemy we should be protected from and not the type of person that should be protecting or claiming to protect anybody from anything? And we're going to be talking about that more generally. But unfortunately, it doesn't end there with Marjorie Taylor Greene. We now have video of Marjorie Taylor Greene, this new wacky Republican congresswoman, QAnon congresswoman of Jewish space lasers fame. There is video of her from a week before Election Day. She sat down with a, a pro gun activist named Chris Dorr. This was broadcast on Facebook from a Pennsylvania gun shop, and this is a 22 minute interview posted by the Pennsylvania Firearms Association and Marjorie Taylor Greene and the gun shop owner. Uh, I'm sorry, the gun activist at the gun shop talked about the Second Amendment, how important it is to back Donald Trump, 
how important it is to back other far right Republicans in the election. And Green warned that socialists must be fended off socialists like Joe Biden, who I can't imagine anything socialist. I can't remember a, a single socialist idea Joe Biden has put forward. They would take everybody's guns and on and on. And she appeared to support political violence by saying you only get your freedoms back with the price of blood. That's the key part. And we'll look at a little bit of this beyond that. But that key part about the price of blood is right at the beginning. But here's the deal. If this generation doesn't stand up and defend freedom, it's gone. Yeah. And once it's gone, freedom doesn't come back by itself. The only way you get your freedoms back is it's it's earned with the price of blood. We, we can't be too busy or, or too complacent or too worried about offending someone anymore. It's there's no more excuses. This is this is it. November 3rd. Freedom is on the ballot. You have a choice of either voting for freedom by voting for Donald J. Trump for president again for four more years, voting Republican straight down your ballot, or you're going to vote for socialism and vote to completely end America as we know it. And this is this is no joke. They do not want you to be able to defend yourself because if you can defend yourself, guess what? Then you can stop a tyrannical government. However, if they take away your guns, then you can't not only can you never stop a tyrannical government, you can never even defend yourself if someone is breaking in your home. And, and that's the reality. This is where we are today in 2020. So freedom comes back only with the price of blood. They, I guess Democrats, don't want you to be able to defend yourself. So supportive of violence to achieve political goals. And then also in another uh, prior clip um, on 9-11 claims there is no evidence that a plane actually crashed into the Pentagon on 9-11, a uh, unfortunately relatively uh, significantly repeated conspiracy theory. Here is Marjorie Taylor Greene, a uh, literal 9-11 truther now in the House of Representatives. Barack Obama becomes president in 2008. OK, um, by that time in our American history, we had had George Bush for eight years. We 9-11. Sorry about that, guys. Call came in, so I had to decline it. Um, but we had witnessed 9-11, right? We had witnessed 9-11, uh, the terrorist attack um, in New York and the plane that uh, crashed in Pennsylvania and the so-called plane that crashed into the Pentagon. It's odd. There's never any evidence shown for a plane in the Pentagon. But anyways, I won't I'm not going to dive into the 9-11 conspiracy. She won't dive into it. She'll merely mention it offhandedly. Oh, OK. All right. This is a certifiably sick woman. Don't we need to be giving psych evals to run for Congress? Don't don't we need to do something, create some basic uh, battery of tests? for a, a establishing a fundamental basic level of fitness to be a member of the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate. But of course, the problem isn't just the candidates. And I know that many of you will often focus only on one side or the other. Yes, the, the fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene is a candidate is a problem. But if nobody was willing to vote for her, we wouldn't be, be needing to worry about it. I've said this about Trump. If no one fell for Trump, if the Republican primary voters weren't wacky enough to fall for Trump, Trump saying I'm running wouldn't really matter. The bigger problem 
is that so many people said, yes, this is who I'm choosing. And I know that there are some who will say, well, it's because the Democrats didn't put up something better. No, no, no. The Democrats did. The, the Democrats may not have put up exactly what we wanted, but the Democrats put up something better. Uh, and uh, the, the, the problem is really bigger than any one thing. I was thinking back yesterday as I was preparing this story. Remember when Sarah Palin was the craziest person in the Republican Party? <laughs> Things have escalated very, very quickly. And uh, I don't know why Marjorie Taylor Greene remains in Congress even one more minute. Every Republican lawmaker should be put on camera and asked, why don't these comments uh, warrant an immediate expulsion from the House of Representatives on the bonus show today? We'll be talking about why it's not even likely she will be expelled, maybe censured, but very unlikely to be expelled. More on that uh, on the bonus show. We'll take a quick break and be back with much more. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. A lot of the shirts you see me wearing on YouTube are actually made by a company called Teddy Stratford. I love these shirts, and that's why I asked them to be a sponsor of the show. It really is the most innovative shirt you can buy because most slim fit button up shirts give you this weird stretched out gap in the chest where the buttons are. You don't get that with the Teddy Stratford shirts because all of their shirts come with a patented zipper hidden beneath the buttons, which prevents the chest from stretching apart like that. But most importantly, just overall, it makes the shirt fit much better and look better. The carefully designed shirt is also cut in a way that improves the look of your upper body physique. It has a really nice, elegant, close fit that other shirts don't really give you. It also has a specially designed collar that won't fall down and lay flat, which I love. The difference all around with these shirts really is noticeable. Go check them out at davidpackmancom slash Teddy. The link is in the podcast notes and they'll give you 15 percent off your first order. If you use the coupon code Pacman at checkout, that's P-A-K-M-A-N. One of our sponsors is Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer owned company shipping super quality CBD directly from their farm to your door. They cut out the middleman, which saves you money and gets you the freshest possible product, which includes tinctures, flour, gummies, skin topicals, even CBD coffee which I've really enjoyed. The whole team loves Sunset Lake CBD, especially their CBD oil and the gummies. We always say send us more every time we run out. CBD is reported as being useful for relieving stress, pain, inflammation. Some people use it before bed to help with sleep. And Sunset Lake is where you want to get your CBD because they pay employees a living wage. Their farm is sustainable. And of course, because they support progressive shows like ours. They're giving David Pakman show listeners 20% off when you go to davidpackmancom slash CBD and use the coupon code Pacman. That's coupon code P-A-K-M-A-N. You can find the URL in the podcast notes. The David Pakman Show at davidpackman.com. Over the last few years, we followed I was going to call it the evolution. It's really the the devolution of a Fox host, Maria Bartiromo, as I've told you many times before. 
way back in um uh when was it way back in i guess it was the late 90s when i got into stocks and stock markets she was a really good reporter on cnbc and did a lot of really interesting things including reporting from the floor of the new york stock exchange during the trump era maria devolved into the biggest brown nosing uh trump sycophant a perpetuator and signal booster of uh, un, uh, completely uh, not based in any evidence, conspiracy theories about the election and so much more. And uh, she is not stopping. We were wondering with Trump gone whether she would stop because there's no more president to keep a relationship with. But she's not stopping. Here's Maria this weekend saying that in her view, the big lie is not that uh, Joe Biden uh, didn't steal the election. The big lie was the entire Russia story. Take a listen to this. Many people still believe that there was collusion because of the incredible way that they were able to spread this lie. They're calling election fraud the big lie. In my view, this is the big lie. Russia collusion with Trump. Here is Maria Bartiromo again playing up the idea that Joe Biden is doing something wrong by not doing the things Trump would have done if he were still president. And she cites as an example, Trump was about to put these are my words now, his disgraced former campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, on the defense advisory board, something Corey Lewandowski has no business being involved in. Biden put a stop to that for Maria. That's proof that Joe Biden is doing something wrong a book deal. You can't come and speak at Harvard. Your important your point of view doesn't matter and will not be heard in the public square. You worked at the Pentagon cash. And now we know that the Pentagon has stopped political appointments for any Trump allies to join defense advisory boards. It was supposed to be that Corey Lewandowski and David Bossie were going to be joining the, the defense advisory board. That's been shelved. They can no longer do it. And the Pentagon is stopping anybody associated with Trump from joining these advisory boards. This is something called elections have consequences. Corey Lewandowski on the defense advisory board is nuts. It never made sense. Joe Biden rightly put a stop to that because he won the election. Imagine if Joe Biden won and didn't say Corey Lewandowski on the defense advisory board. Sure, let's let it happen. It would be outrageous if Biden didn't stop that. Then Maria interviewed former uh, Trump advisor Stephen Miller, an extraordinarily reactionary right winger who points to Senator uh, Josh Hawley losing a book deal with a private book publisher as being evidence, I guess, of Joe Biden being bad. First of all, President Biden has missed a historic opportunity to make good on this pledge to be a president for all Americans and to stand up and say the censorship must stop. The blacklisting must stop. We have to listen to and respect all viewpoints in America. But he has not done that. He has turned a blind eye to it. And when you see when you see people being denied book deals, when you see people being denied contracts, when you see people being banned off of Twitter and Facebook and other platforms, what you are seeing is a fundamental erosion of the concept of liberty and freedom in America. The censorship, the erosion of liberty and freedom. First of all, Simon and Schuster saying we don't want to publish Josh Hawley's book is merely a private company deciding what's profitable for them. That's something the right claims to support. 
But more outrageously, Hawley lost his book deal while Trump was president. Trump was banned from Twitter while Trump was still president. None of those things were done while Joe Biden was president. So obviously at at its face, these are not examples of censorship. These are not examples of anything other than companies deciding what's good for them. And while they're not assuming they're not violating any laws, they are acting on that, acting on their terms of service, et cetera. But the really wacky aspect is it all happened while Trump was president. Why, why are we even talking about Joe Biden? One more clip. Maria Bartiromo continues to platform deception about what free speech and censorship even are. Concept of liberty and freedom in America. Freedom is not just a line yeah. on a piece of paper, Maria. Freedom is a culture. Freedom is a way of life. Freedom is a way of being. If we as Americans yeah. get to the point where we're, we're willing to discriminate against people based on their point of view, being they Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, we have fundamentally Terrible. abandoned our core values. And you're right, it's going to lead to we're not going to bank with you. We're not going to give you a mortgage. We're not going to lease you a car. We're not right. going to represent Stephen, you in a court of law. There's no limiting principle not, here. This could not be more important. Please come back. We'll continue our conversation. Super important, Stephen. Yes, please come back and tell us more about that. Now, the problem isn't just these shows. It's that people thinking they're learning something here. What I mean by that is the following. If people were more educated and media literate, they would know I'm not going to learn a damn thing about censorship and free speech and the First Amendment on Fox News Sunday morning from Maria Bartiromo and Stephen Miller. If people were more aware and and conscious of this being it's it's really it's just entertainment and it's really not that entertaining. It's entertainment for some people they might understand, oh, you know, if I want to read about constitutional law, let me go get the book of Erwin Chemerinsky, a constitutional law scholar and professor that we interviewed on the show. Or if you really want to learn about the First Amendment, you go and you read the work of Burt Newborn, the New York University law professor, expert on the First Amendment who we interviewed on the program. If you understand what is actual expertise on this, these issues and you realize the expertise on the First Amendment and censorship, it's not coming from uh, uh, Stephen Miller. It's not coming from Maria Bartiromo. This stuff wouldn't be as dangerous. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't know or don't care to find uh, actual experts on those issues. So they watch Fox News and they hear Stephen Miller talk about censorship and suppression of speech because Simon and Schuster said we're not going to publish a book, for example. And they think that they're actually learning something. That's a systemic problem. That's a cultural problem. That's an educational problem. I have warned everyone that we are going to be seeing an explosion of radicalization through right wing media during these next two years. I've been saying for months now that Trump's insanity is going to be replaced by right wing media insanity. And that will include Fox News having to do something wacky to get an audience back from Newsmax and OAN, but it will likely also include Newsmax and OAN going even more extreme now that Donald Trump is gone. And we haven't had to wait even a minute to see it. Newsmax host Chris Salcedo. I actually appeared on this guy's old radio show some years ago. Chris Salcedo claims that Democrats are pushing us towards civil war. Let's take a look and then discuss. In my opinion, Democrats' dangerous rhetoric, their vacuous charges and feigned fear are pushing America toward a civil war. The question remains, why? 
Many on the Republican side have noted on many occasions that Democrats have disarmed their voters through irrational fears of firearms. Those same Republicans rationalized they would be foolhardy for Democrats to pick a civil war fight that they would sure, assuredly lose. But the Democrats wouldn't be alone. Now, can you folks think of a nation on the planet Earth that would benefit from, be elated by, or pushing for an American civil war? I can. That's right. Joe Biden's buddies, China. If America is pushed into a civil war by the Democrats, that will benefit the world's most inhuman, racist slave state, China. The policy course charted by socialist Democrats is counter to American freedom, liberty, and prosperity. Their rhetoric may threaten our very existence, the republic itself. Someone should wake up Mitt Romney, Pat Toomey, and Ben Sass. I know, I know. You, you might be saying, wait a second, hold on. Wasn't it Trump and Don Jr. and Rudy Giuliani and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert who were pushing us closer to civil war by fomenting and inciting an armed insurrection to try to keep the guy who lost in power? Does this guy, Chris Salcedo, not remember that it was armed, violent Republicans that stormed the Capitol weeks ago? But Chris Salcedo says it's Democrats pushing us towards civil war. Wasn't it Republicans who for two months hesitated to even admit that Joe Biden had won the election, threatening the very basic institutions of democracy? But it's Democrats that are pushing us towards civil war and Democrats that are putting our country at risk of not being a democratic country. The people who draped themselves in the Confederate flag, which represents literally the loser in the Civil War, stormed the Capitol to try to overturn the results of an election. And they are now the ones saying Democrats are pushing us to civil war. How can this be? Now, the one funny thing there isn't there isn't much funny about this, but there is one funny part. Newsmax guy says Democrats are pushing us to civil war. But they would lose because they don't have weapons because they're against guns. Newsmax guy seems to think that if there were such a civil war, it would be Republican citizens versus Democratic citizens, just like random voters fighting with handguns and rifles in the streets. The reality is that in such a civil war that was started by these insurrectionists, most Americans would be staying at home and it would be the insurrectionists versus the full power of the U.S. government and military. So the idea that Biden and Democrats would lose is very funny, but I don't even want to focus on that because it is so unbelievably absurd. But the bottom line here is that Democrats are not the ones inciting a civil war, fomenting a civil war or demanding a civil war. Newsmax, OAN and others that are broadcasting and promoting disunity and conspiracies while perpetuating the election fraud lies are the ones pushing us closer to civil war. I don't think it will happen for a variety of different reasons, but if it were to, it's not going to be Republican and Democratic voters fighting it out with handguns. Uh, and as we've talked about before, geographically, that also doesn't make sense since increasingly, you know, we talk about red and blue states, but really what we have are uh, urban areas and even suburban areas which are uh, heavily and leaning more to the left 
in states that may be blue states or red states with significantly more red rural counties around them. So all of the language they're using about civil war is wrong. All of the framing they're using about civil war is wrong. But the idea that it's Democrats fomenting it doesn't pass the sniff test, as you've heard me say before. Hey, um, I I've got an uh, I've got an interesting voicemail to play for you. You can leave a voicemail anytime at two one nine two David P. It's about a wacky Congresswoman Lauren Boebert and uh, her education and or lack thereof. And th- there's a few things here I want to talk about. So let's listen. Uh, good evening, David. Uh, my name is Ray. I'm calling in regards to Congresswoman Bobart. Uh, I was doing some research on her and I stumbled across the fact that she received her GED, not her high school diploma, in May of 2020. Right. Yet her office and her people have not confirmed nor denied that she received it, nor if she even has one. So there seems to be something not right with that, uh, based on the fact that if she had received it in May, you know, they would have to basically just say, yeah, this happened and that, that's okay. But they seem to not even want to address it, which could mean to me possibly that she doesn't even have one. So maybe that's something that our viewers can dig deeper into this and um, and, and just find out what's going on with this person, because she she's totally unfit to be in Congress. So, yeah. Now. So listen, a lot of what the caller says is correct. Lauren Boebert is completely unfit to be in Congress. It's not because she doesn't have a high school diploma or college education necessarily. She's unfit because she's a radical insurrectionist and part of the problem we're trying to solve rather than any possible solution. Now, in terms of the GED stuff, the caller is correct. It is asserted that Lauren Boebert got her GED. The, the story of Lauren Boebert is something like and I'm paraphrasing here. She was in high school but she dropped out to work at McDonald's. I don't remember if it was to support her family or, or what what the, the reasoning was. And then she later went back and got her GED uh, a few months ago, reportedly getting it in May of 2020. I have no idea. Uh, it, it's I've not seen what we might call proof that she really got her GED. She may have it. She may not. But but here's the thing. This is not about education shaming. Lauren Boebert is an ignorant person, regardless of what kind of degree she has. A year ago, I met someone with a Ph.D. in biology who maybe when it came to biology was an absolute genius, but was a complete and total idiot when it came to political science, economics, cultural issues, sociology. I mean, it it was just I I felt like I was talking to someone who who uh, seemed to lack education altogether. So, you know, when it comes to biology, maybe this person was great, maybe not having or not having a GED high school diploma, college degree, master's degree, Ph.D. It is not proof that you are or aren't fit to be an elected official. Um, The sad truth is that whether Lauren Boebert does or doesn't have a GED, she is not someone that should be involved in making law or leading the country whatsoever. Now, on the other hand, Bill Gates dropped out of college. He's more than well qualified to be a member of Congress or senator. He understands the scientific method. He understands how to think about problems. He understands how to manage people and projects and on and on and on. And so for me, the problem is that for some of these folks, the lack of education has become sort of a point of pride where voters are drawn to someone because they've fallen for this idea that higher education is a liberal indoctrination conspiracy theory thing. And they they seem to think that by electing someone who's not gone to college, that they're owning the libs in some way. 
I think it's important that we on the left don't focus on education shaming. There are plenty of people without uh, significant degrees of formal education who are very smart and would be great leaders for this country. And that would be fantastic. And as I've said before, in general, we should be diversifying the types of folks that represent us. We don't want just former lawyers and former CEOs and career politicians. I would love teachers. I would love met people from science. I would like people for, you know, on and on and on. But the idea of going to people without formal education merely because you think education is liberal indoctrination is a problem. And so uh, if if Lauren Boebert is lying about her GED, that's a major problem. If Lauren Boebert is unfit to be a member of Congress because of her ideas and and the fact that she brings no knowledge whatsoever about policy and that's the case, she shouldn't be in the House of Representatives and she shouldn't. But I think we need to look more deeply, much the same way as Trump as a candidate. Trump, if Trump had run as a Democrat, he'd have had no shot of winning the primary and Trumpism wouldn't be what it is. Trumpism is what it is because Trump ran as a Republican and the Republican electorate fell for it slash liked it slash was drawn to it partially to quote own the libs as they would often say. Um, and so a lot of the problem is the electorate, the electorate that sees someone as incompetent as Lauren Boebert and regardless of her formal education level says, let's choose her. That's what we need to solve. That's a bigger cultural issue. We've got a great bonus show for you today. We will talk about the Republican counteroffer to Biden's covid-19 bill and much, much more. Become a member and get instant access at joinpacman.com.